Um, welcome. Thank you for having me. So, uh, 352 of A to the show. Tamer Al Khalil. Did I say it right? Tamer Khalil. Tamer Khalil. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, we got another great filmmaker on the show. And Tamer, do you want to tell us first off how you got into the whole uh, film business? Yeah. Um, you know, I, 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 I started writing a years and years gosh i don't want to age myself but i started re- writing um about 17 years ago um i didn't know what i was writing for i was just writing a story that i was dealing with i was in high school uh during 9 11 uh, in a small midwest town uh, in minneapolis so <clears throat> i started dealing with things as an arab american that i didn't understand um, they were very new to me feelings that i never dealt with uh so I just started writing. I just started writing them. They started as poems. They were just kind of feelings on paper. Uh, and then they turned into short stories. Um, and then I just kind of just put them aside for a long time until I teamed up with an incredible, incredible writer. His name's George Pafitas, based in New York. Um, and he sent me one of his scripts and asked me to read it. Um, and in this time, I was kind of growing my career in the automotive world. Um, and uh, you know, I read this script of his and I thought it was really amazing. And I told him about my idea and he called me the next day and said, we're writing that script. And uh, we started writing that script in 2009, 2010, really started focusing on it in 13. And uh, in 2017, we started getting some interest on the script. Uh, that script, uh, the script's titled Radical. All so right. that's kind of how it all started. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. All right. So I do want to ask you, Tamir, what about... So I hear a lot of advice from really successful people. Some of them say you should do multiple things at the same time. Some of them say you can only do one thing at a time and only focus on one thing. You clearly have been doing um, automotive stuff plus this filmmaking stuff. Um, Do you wish you were able to focus one at a time uh, or uh, how are you able to balance the two? Yeah, so always I've heard that question. I've asked that question myself to people uh, that I that I entrust in uh, for advice. But you know, it's it's a tough one because uh, you know, obviously, if you can do what you love and feed yourself and your family off of it, that's always you know, give all your energy right. to that. It's possible. Um, but if you can't, uh, if that's not something that is there for you at that moment, um, don't be afraid to do what you need to do, um, you know, to, to live in this, this monetary world we live in. Um, you know, I grew my career as an automotive executive and I found myself in a position where, um, I had an opportunity to, um, you know, walk away from my career, sell the shares of my business that I was a partner in, uh, to focus on my dream, my passion. Uh, my family was supportive. They thought I was crazy at first, (laughs) uh, walking away from a good job, um, you know, all these things. Um, but, you know, for me, when I when I saw an opportunity to do what I love, I had to try giving that all I got. Um, you know, listen, it doesn't pay the bills, uh, right. but it's it it, it wakes. It, you, you'll find that it wakes something in yourself that you, you wake up every morning really looking forward to doing that thing. Right. That I mean, that was great. You said like if you could do whatever you want all day, you should just do it. But not all of us have that luxury. Especially in the filmmaking world, right? All of us, and I think um, um, one of the most difficult things, of course, is making money in the making money in the film industry, right? <laughs> it takes yeah. a long time to ramp up, and 
Um, I'm also thinking about this too, because I'm, uh, I'm getting my psychology masters. I'm a behavioral therapist. I do that for my financial means and I'm able to do films just for fun and just for the art of it. And podcasts. You're a busy man. And podcasts. Yeah. I'm trying, you know, I just, honestly, if you ask me if I didn't have to do any work, I'd just be doing this full time all the time, but that's great. You just gotta be able to balance the means. So advice for young filmmakers, right? Uh, if you could look back on young Tamir and tell him something, uh, what, what's something that you know now that when you were younger, you could have benefited from? Well, first of all, I'm not willing to accept the fact that I'm no longer young Tamir. Okay. I'm still young. <laughs> you are. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's, it's interesting. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I can, I'm a, I'm an aspiring filmmaker myself. Right. I mean, I, I haven't hit what they call the home run and I haven't, you know, I haven't, this isn't, you know, it, it doesn't pay my bills yet and maybe mm-hmm. it never will. Um, and I find myself at times, really, really, really pushing myself almost too hard because, you know, when I, when I, when I start getting frustrated that, that, that I haven't hit that home run yet. And, and especially when I'm writing in my writing, I can, I can read it. I can hear it in my writing. I can see it. There's frustration. There's, there's this, you know, need to push what doesn't need to be pushed. And, and generally it doesn't come out, you know, especially as a writer, uh, I think it was Quentin Tarantino, I believe who said, um, it was him or David Lynch who said, uh, what is it? Be honest to the page. I mean, uh, you know, every page is, um, you know, is really its own story. And, you know, every day is our own page and we just can't fight. We can't force it. And I, I would, I guess I would go back and tell myself 10, 15, 20 years ago that your time will come if it's meant to come and just do what you love and don't be hard on yourself. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's an as, as I get older, I, I find myself trying to just be present in what I'm doing and just breathe a bit and just be patient with my growth. Uh, a mentor right. of mine just told me, a mentor of mine just told me the other day, he's an incredible musician, very talented human being, won many awards. And he told me the other day, he goes, You know, he, he pretty much said, You know, even once you win all those awards, what then? You're just going to look for the biggest and best next award. And that really meant something to me because that's who I am. I'm always looking for the next thing. I'm always looking for the best. So yeah, I would tell myself just to be a little more patient and calm and, and just be at peace. Oh, wow. Uh, be patient and calm. So being, you mean being patient with like your expectations or being yeah, patient, being patient with, with yeah. my expectations, being patient with what I'm doing at that moment. Uh, if it's the automotive world or if mm-hmm. it's the film world or whatever it is, just be patient. You know, obviously keep keep in mind what you want to do and your and and you know your ambitions and what you aspire to do. But you know, they'll come. Just just let them come at their own time. Amazing, amazing. All right, now let's uh, switch it up a bit. You mentioned Tarantino and you mentioned David Lynch. Uh, who are some of your filmmaking inspirations? Oh gosh, <clears throat> you know it's interesting. For me, I, I don't think I ever really considered myself a, f- a film buff like most filmmakers do. Um, you know, I didn't go to film school. Uh, I just really always loved storytelling in general. Ironically, I was bo- I was uh, voted biggest storyteller in high school. Uh, <laughs> well before I thought I'd be a storyteller. But, you know, I've always loved being in front of people and just telling a story. 
Uh, it, doesn't, it didn't matter how big or great or grandiose the story was. I just love being in front of people, the, the, the audience, and seeing what kind of emotion I can, uh, I can, I can trigger from every story I told. Um, but, you know, I, I love, I love, love, love what Quentin Tarantino can do. Um, obviously, very, very talented. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of filmmakers that are just really great. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Ari Asner and, um, uh, you know, he, Midsommar is one of my favorite movies in the last, I don't know, 10, 20 years, maybe. Um, you know, there's just some greats out there. So, yeah, for, you know, I, as a, I love watching Leonardo DiCaprio on screen because there's a guy that can, he just inspires the heck out of me. I, I totally have a man crush on him because I, every time I watch him on screen, he's one of those guys that's probably one of the most recognizable faces in the world. Yet, as soon as he's in character, I forget who he is and I only fall into the character. And I'm not an actor. I'm not meant to be in front of the screen, in front of the camera. But I think of that when I'm writing. Okay. How can I tell a story where you forget you're reading a story or watching a story fall into the story? Wow. Yeah, the way, I mean, Leo DiCaprio, he's a fantastic actor. And I think just because he embodies, you know, the role and he's just, you know, an amazing, yeah, amazing actor. Uh, were there any movies that were like influential in your life that, that really made you want to do filmmaking? Like I know uh, you mentioned some more recently, but I'm curious about more influential things. And in, you know, uh, Malcolm X. Yeah, Malcolm X was fantastic. Um, you know, I thought that story was so powerful. Obviously, you know, without even being a, the movie, but um, the, the way it was all done and, and just the visual, following this visual emotional roller coaster that Denzel takes us on, it was so impressive. Um, that was really phenomenal. There's a movie out there um, called Dogville um, with Lars von Trier. What's that? Is that isn't that Lars Lars yes. von Trier? Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Most people wow. don't know that's pretty impressive. I don't know very yeah. many people have seen that movie. <laughs> well yes, done. Exactly. I'm also a filmmaker. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's beautiful and uh, one of you know one of the greatest movies and. Uh, it's it's inspirational. It just shows you how much farther you can keep pushing the the medium. Like everything can keep changing and filmmaking. Yeah, and that's perfectly sad because to me that's that's yeah. a movie uh, for anybody who hasn't seen it. This whole movie is shot on like it looks like you're on a stage, um, and uh, you know the the doors are colored out in chalk, and uh, you know every time you walk by this chalk drawn out dog. It, there's a barking sound, and I remember within the first ten minutes, I'm like, oh, I'm never gonna be able to get through this movie. Um, and I think it's like a three hour movie or something. It's a long movie. <laughs> and I remember within 20, maybe 30 minutes, I completely forgot what I was actually looking at. It all became so real. You know, the, the dog became a real thing for me. I mean, that was real. It was not like a chalked out drawing. I remember thinking right. that dog was real. Or every time they'd walk into the door where they actually didn't even have a door, they just like swing open this chalk. It was, it was so, it blew me away. And, you know, I'm one of these people that when I find a movie or a show, that I really, really love. I become like a salesperson for that product. <laughs> you know, I, I, it's like a three hour movie. And I remember I would literally have friends over watching a football game. Be like, all right, guys, we're watching this movie and sit them down and watch this whole three hour movie. And I did it for like two months straight where I watched it probably a dozen times. So yeah, that, that was really exceptional. If you've never seen it, go see that movie dog. Watch it. 
<laughs> great. Yes, that's a great pitch for that movie. Go watch it. Yeah. Amazing yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that movie is incredible. And as you say, like it's like when you start watching it, you can't get your eyes off the screen. It's very it's very rare that films are so captivating and they can be three hours long. You mentioned Tarantino, like Kill Bill. I just watched Kill Bill recently, one and two back to back, and it's five hours long, but you can't take your eyes off the screen. <laughs> I don't know how they do it versus like, you know, um, I'm uh, I'm mixed about like the world of television because I know the world of television, it's not really about every single frame or every single scene being the most elevated it can be. It's more about following a character and its, and its journey. Um, but I don't know, what are your thoughts on uh, television versus uh, film and your aspirations? Yeah. You know, I it's definitely a different world right um yeah. but i think it's all true to be said that um i don't think there's a tv show that can succeed if every single episode doesn't have some serious power and you know punch uh, a part of the punch um yeah uh, let's use um for instance breaking bad right right uh fantastic show why was it fantastic i think Yes, the character development was very incredibly powerful and they did such a great job. But I think every episode, it was almost watching its own movie, right? It, it was, it, there were so many storylines, but they were so powerful and you followed like, this one main driving force in every episode. And, you know, there's, a, there's an example how television and, um, you know, movies can resemble themselves. You know, I, I don't like right. a lot of shows. I don't like a lot of shows that, here, I'm going to admit to something. Jerry Seinfeld, not a fan. <laughs> not a fan. Seinfeld. Yeah. I'm telling you, that show, That's Seinfeld, funny. is horrible to me. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. I think it's just, uh, I don't get, I get it. I mean, I, whatever, I see why people do like it, but not for me. Um, All right, you, you got to explain yourself now. You can't just say it. <laughs> I know. I know. It's such a hard one. I don't, I think that's, uh, that's such an epitome of like a television show that's written for, you know, a long drawn out thing and every every episode is its own episode but i don't you know unless you saw what you know the character development one episode i don't think it, i can feel the i, I don't know it's hard right. for me to explain it yes. i tried to explain it trust me i've been attacked um <laughs> you know pretty much been beaten by people for that statement um mm -hmm. but it just it didn't it doesn't it doesn't do it for me now entourage <laughs> you've ever seen entourage <laughs> I remember watching Entourage for the first time, and I think that was another time I was like, oh my God, I want to be in Hollywood. Uh, that was a right. great show. But the movie right. wasn't great. But the movie wasn't great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it goes to show, right? Not a, movies can't always, yeah, beat the, the shows, and sometimes shows can't beat the movies. It's really, um, um, yeah, because like Seinfeld has its audience, and it, which is, you know, I'm sure if you love it, that's awesome, but it's meant for like your after work you come home you're eating dinner while watching seinfeld you know versus if you're watching a movie like dogville or one of like uh, an amazing movie right you the whole vibe of it is that uh, you're supposed to sit in and watch the movie and being captured you know captured by the movie um, um however i do think that's all changing because now they're becoming more and more of the same medium since you're streaming everything, you're streaming every movie just the way you're, you're streaming every single show. So kind of why do you even need to make a movie anymore if you can, everything can come, just become a show, right? <laughs> um, yeah, it's definitely changing. I mean, it's that's what streaming does, right? It's yeah. changing It's changing what film looks like. 
you know, I, I won't say any names, but um, I, I was uh, speaking with a very successful, incredibly talented uh, producer, probably one of the most incredibly talented producers in Hollywood. And I was, uh, he was looking at one of my scripts uh, that I was looking for some help in getting into development. And, um, you know, he told me, he's, I love the script. I think it's, it has a lot of powerful uh, aspects to it, but it doesn't fit. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't fit what Netflix is looking for. It doesn't fit their mandate. And I was like, what are you talking about? What does that have to do with you? And mm -hmm. Netflix, you know, a lot of these producers, a lot of these, you know, if, if Netflix isn't buying, they're not making, you know, they pay their bills. And that's the world we live in now. It's not meant, um, you know, which I think is, there's, I think it's really sad in some ways, but honestly, I think it opens up, a, I think it opens up doors for people like myself, independent filmmakers, uh, right. people who don't have a hundred million dollar budget films. I think it opens up, I think that's what A24 does a really great job at and, um, and some of these other houses. But I think, you know, streaming is, it, it, can, it can saturate us with a lot of content. And unfortunately, some of it not being that great, but who cares? Because it kind of opens the door for guys and gals who have never had the opportunity to get that huge funding, but they can make a movie and they can they can bootstrap it. And if it works out and is successful, great. If not, so what? They got a chance to get it out there in front of people. So I, I'm all for it, man. I think I think what's yeah. happening is I think it's a disruption. Um, I think it's going to shake things up. Um, you know. I, as long as it opens the door for independence and you know it's people to go out there and make a movie let's do it yeah wow no I, I i can totally see that perspective about how it is giving access to a lot more people to be on streaming but it also takes away the access for me to be be in theaters you know which is kind of and um <laughs> it's difficult right because when you're when you're writing a script and you're you know you're imagining it like it would be watched in a theater maybe but if most people are watching it at home on a TV, then that's, I don't know if you should be making movies differently now. Um, so it's, it's a really interesting paradigm shift. And I want to ask you about something you also talked about, like what, you know, Netflix and studios are looking for. Uh, you know, Ahmed, Ahmed Nawaz, the great legendary actor Ahmed Nawaz said that, you know, that where there's a shift changing where they're looking more for like spin-offs and sequels and not necessarily original content. We had this debate because I think that if there is something original um, and it is amazing, producers would much rather pick that over something that's a sequel because it has more room to pop off. So uh, what's your thoughts on the current, like the new movies coming out? Um, do you want to make original content or do you want to do a Marvel movie? Um, yeah. You know, I think studios, I think, yes, he's right in a certain aspect that studios, your big studio boxes are going to, they're going to be looking for something that they can make a few different. It's harder to make money for those guys now, right? I mean, it's, you don't have the sales of the, um, you know, cinemas anymore. Um, so opening weekends aren't, I think it was, uh, M. Night Shyamalan's last movie. Um, what is one of the, yeah, yeah, I think it was one of the, I haven't seen it, but I think, I think if I read yeah. some that it had a, a pretty large box office opening compared to other films, might've been the largest, but it was also the, some of the least money he's had on up and one of his opening weekends, um, since, uh, you know, whatever movie it was, yeah. uh, 
So, uh, you know, last, yeah, but I, well, it's COVID has a huge thing to do with it, right? Of course, I mean, COVID, but yeah. I think, I think once it's all over, people probably won't go to the uh, cinema as much anymore either, right? Um, but you know, yeah, I think, I think they got to figure out a way to make more money and that, that may need sequels and, and then that, that, you know, spinoffs and so on and so forth. And, uh, but I think you're going to either have huge box office or huge budget films, you know, hundred million plus budget films, or you're going to have really small, um, you know, $10 million, maybe even less budgeted films doing well. Um, you know, I don't think, I mean, look at, look at just the people who've been winning awards and look at the movies. I mean, Nomadland was incredible. Right. Um, uh, fa fa fair, uh, Farewell, uh, Minari, uh, you know, all these movies, uh, you know, I don't think they're humongous budgets compared to some of these others, but they, they, they're winning and they're, then they're getting, you know, recognized. Um, I think, I think it's, I think Ahmed might be right in a certain aspect, but I do think that, um, People are really open to seeing a really good original story as long as it's got, you know, real bones to it. As long as, as long as it can really take them, especially right now more than anything, we, we're stuck in our homes a lot of the times. We don't have the same entertainment and we got, we're, we're really dealing with a lot of feelings and emotions internally and, you know, listening to really good music and watching a really good movie that we can just relate to and that can touch on those feelings, I think. I think, hey, I think we have an opportunity um, as filmmakers and just in, in general artists to to have to reach a lot of people and hopefully, you know, just share our feelings through those stories. Amazing. Yeah, no, it's true. It's like an escape, right? I mean, that's what filmmaking is. Like, no matter how shitty the world is, you can just watch a movie that you love and it can make you feel a certain way. Nice. We can swear on this podcast. I love it. Oh, yeah. You can <laughs> go Woo. for it. Not family friendly. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Ahmed, uh, damn it. <laughs> I want to ask you about. Um, so you're uh, you worked in the automotive world and the automotive world is one of the places I've seen technology develop so fast. Right. Like we've went from 20 years ago from whatever manual cars. And now we have self-driving cars that are amazing um and futuristic um my thing with filmmaking i feel like the technology maybe hasn't um changed so much in the past 20 years or maybe it has changed in the past couple decades as much as it could uh, i wonder if you have any insights like dogville on how you know technology and the medium can change um do you have any uh, I, I, Ali, I gotta tell yes. you you're yes. asking the absolutely worst person on the planet <laughs> about technology. I barely could figure out a way to get on this call with you. Um, <laughs> I used to make so much fun of me. Uh, I could barely open easy, his, his emails or, you know, uh, you know, I'm old school. Uh, I, right. I, I, I literally, when I'm writing, I, there's voice text as I'm walking around and then I write it on a piece of paper or, you know, I, I'm so old school. So the reason I probably <laughs> like dog is because it just has that old school feel. I don't need all <laughs> fancy stuff. Right. Right. Listen, Avatar, incredible movie. And that's what I was thinking about. Avatar, incredible movie. But yeah. I don't, I mean, I can sit back and watch Raging Bull. I can sit back and watch. Right. You know, I can sit back and watch it. And Raging Bull, if you look at it, I mean, those punches are not landing. I can assure you right <laughs> now, he's not even close. Um, you know, but I don't care. I don't need all that. Some people do. And maybe technology does need to go faster in entertainment. But I hope not. Because um, this is like our, this is, you know, 
in the automotive world, technology had to speed up because it's people didn't want to spend that much time with technology, with, 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 you know, even buying a car, right. Or even, or right. just people don't just want to disconnect, even disconnect from driving. They don't even want to drive anymore. <laughs> um, I don't know if that's ever going to be the case with, uh, uh, you know, yes, streaming, they don't want to go to the theaters, but it's still very intimate. And I think, you know, I, I do think people want shorter content. So I think we'll start seeing shorter, quicker movies. Um, I think we'll see, I think we'll see a platform that will open up. I think Amazon um, does a really great job with short films, um, you know, giving a good uh, diverse selection. But I think we'll see some kind of platform that will do better at offering, um, you know, short films. Because I think the masses are going to, you know, Beauty of Warmth that I just did with Ahmed is a short film. And, um, you know, I remember when I wrote it, I didn't know how long I should write it. But I thought to myself, I'm like, listen, People these days are just everything. They just want a quick video. They just want in and out. They want the information as the fast they can and go. So, you know, with technology, I think it's going to change film in that sense. I think three-hour movies are probably a thing of the past or two-and-a-half-hour movies. Um, you know, I don't think anyone would sit down and watch Shawshank Redemption from in the same <laughs> theater anymore or whatever the case may be. But, um, yeah, um, I think that's where we're at. I think we're going to start seeing a little shorter films, I think. But I, I hope we don't see technology in the sense of, you know, uh, you know, please don't get, I, I mean, I computers need to stay out of film. Let me watch a real person in front of me with real tears pouring on their face, having real dialogue. That's just me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I love those kind of stories. And uh, that's what I, that's why I do right. it. I mean, it's true. I mean, like watching someone actually cry for real is you can connect to that on a deep level for some reason, right? Because it's real <laughs> versus if it's like CGI, it's tears, you, you know, it's CGI. Yeah, <laughs> it's human. Um, it's human. Right. So uh, you brought up Beauty of Warmth. I want to ask you about like, um, I know what what kind of story is that about? And do you want to tell us maybe about the kind of stories you're interested in, in telling? Yeah, Beauty of Warmth. Um, so after uh, after writing my uh, my script, uh, George and I wrote um, Radical, and we ended up having a production house in Chicago pick it up and wanna, and they were gonna produce it. And we were set to shoot in April of 2020, and all the money was raised, and the whole project was ready to take off, and COVID hit, and shut us down. <laughs> well, at this time, I already sold the shares of my company. I was already sitting at home. That was kind of what I was rolling the dice on, is making this movie. And then I started, you know, not being able to travel and I was starting to go through like depression of like, what am I going to do now? And, um, and also, you know, I was watching a lot of people around me suffer from um, addiction. Um, and it was, it was hard to watch. Um, so I started kind of coming up with an idea for a script that I had and I started kind of writing it, but then I stopped and then all of a sudden someone really close to me who's like my little brother um i got a call he's you know that he, from his from his brother who's my best friend and again like my brother that he uh that he passed away um from an overdose and it crushed me i'm sorry it crushed me it just yeah. made me you know it put me in a position that i almost felt like this what we were you know experiencing with covid all these things was kind of sh like you know putting me in a, a corner putting me in a position of just you know in vulnerability and um and for a split second i said wait a second 
you know, ra- you know, radicals kind of shut down right now. But here's a story that needs to be told because this is happening all around us. And it opened up something inside of me. So, you know, ra- uh, Beauty of Warmth is a, it's a love story, right? It's a love story. It's it's about a young Arab American executive who falls in love. Um, you know, even though it's a volatile and dangerous relationship, he's you know, head over heels in love, but he's simultaneously finding himself on a slippery slope of addiction at the same time. And he's trying to navigate these two things at the same time. And you really watch him shift from being one thing to being something completely different. Wow. Um, yeah. I'm uh, I'm sorry for your loss, and I also had a friend recently who passed away from an overdose, so I can um, somewhat relate. And uh, yeah, it's really it's really actually sad to, when you learn about all these people around the country and around the world that are um, dying from you know overdose, and it's really you know heartbreaking to be honest. And I'm sure COVID made things a lot worse for a lot of people who. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We're on the fence and um, yeah. So I want to ask you when you were writing that, that script, was it like for you a form of um, like expressing your, all your opinions on what kind of, was it relieving to write the script? Um, Yeah. Everything I write. Yes. Yeah. Everything, every, everything I write for me, um, if it ain't, if it isn't true, if it ain't, if it isn't true to me, uh, I can't write it. It's really hard for me. Um, and, you know, my first script, that's, that was the truth to it. And, and quite frankly, with this, tr- with this script, it was the same thing. I just it felt re- it was so real. And for me, I can put that on the page, right? Um, and uh, I remember, you know, I'm, I'm not the most technical person. You know, I, I didn't go to film school. I, I didn't, you know, I'm self-taught on everything I'm doing. You know, I when I showed up on set to shoot that film and I was directing it, uh, my DP had to hit me in my shoulder and go, "Okay, you can call action now." <laughs> I don't know a lot of these things. Right? I teach myself, but when I wrote that, I just wanted to be real, and I wanted to people to see a story that happens every day. I'm somebody who suffered with addiction my whole life, um, and you know, it took me a long time to be able to say those words, especially as an Arab American, especially somebody who has you know, very conservative backgrounds and beliefs and parents. I didn't want to admit to those things. You know, I, I couldn't look someone in the face and say, uh, Baba, Mama, I'm an addict. You know, <laughs> what the hell do you mean you're an addict? You know, that, 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 that doesn't fly in my household. So it took a long time. Right. So, uh, you know, when I wrote this, I wanted one, I wanted to write it as an Arab American struggling because it's something that happens in our community, not just American community, but Arabs community and Arab American community. Uh, and we need to stop sweeping it under the rug. It just can't happen anymore. Um, and, uh, you know, people who watch this movie, I hope, will understand that I was just pouring as much of my experiences out there. And not everybody will be able to connect or relate or whatever the case may be. Um, but the ones who do, I really hope, understand you know, what's going on with, 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 with someone like me having to tell this story and why, and hopefully, you know, it can open, it can shed some light on what it really looks like. Um, 
how love and addiction are not different. They're, they're the same thing. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with what you have to say. And, you know, I share a similar experience coming from Lebanon, which is a little more conservative. And then you come to the United States and you see this whole world and it's hard to communicate this world to their world. And um, so when, you, when you're making when you're making a movie, when you I mean, when you wrote that script, were you thinking about um, like the, the the like the people who would connect to it? Were you writing this for yourself? Um, because it seems to me that you said not everyone, it's not meant for everyone or everyone can watch it, but there's going to be people who can really connect to it. Um, do you have that in mind when you were writing it? No, I really, I mean, no, I really didn't. Yeah. I just wanted to put as much truth and honesty of myself into it. Um, you, you might see some parallels between me and the, and the main character and, You, you know, there's other there's other people in my life that you'll see some um, some comparisons to as well. Um, but no, I just when writing the script, I just wanted to tell a story that was in my head. It's always been my deal. I've got a story in my head. I want to tell it. Um, how I tell it, I have no idea. I just put it out there. Um, I was really lucky though. If I can share something here, I wrote this script Please. quickly. I wrote this script script in I don't know, maybe a week. Um, maybe even less. Um, and I remember getting the script in my hand, reading it, sending it off to three, four, five friends that I thought wanted to read it. And everyone kind of came back with their feedback. And uh, uh, this amazing mentor of mine, uh, Khaled Abunaga, a phenomenal actor from Egypt, obviously, who's now all, all over Hollywood and some really, really big projects who's been somebody I've looked up to for a long time, who I've been lucky enough to connect with. I asked him if he would help produce it. And he said, yeah. And then I reached out to Ahmed Mawas, ATM, and I said, hey, would you help produce this thing? I don't know, you know, I haven't directed it, I haven't wrote a movie. You know, this is the first movie I'm going into production with. And I reached out to my younger brother um, and I and he said, hey, can I help produce this thing as well? I was like, absolutely, let's, let's but we, I want to shoot this movie in less than two months. They're like, wow. wow. Up, I said, yep, I want to cast this movie, have everything ready, and shoot this thing in less than two months. Wow. And uh, we did it. Dang it. <laughs> we did it. Um, I remember when I said to Dahmed, I said, hey, we produce this. You read it. And he goes, yeah, I'd love to produce it, but I'd like to, I'd like to, um, you know, to read for the main role. And uh, I remember going, I don't know, Ahmed. This is a story of somebody who's dealing with something you've never dealt with before. I don't know if you, this is a story for you to play. Um, you, you know, you've never done drugs. <laughs> you've never, you know, you've never had to deal with what this person's dealing with. And uh, I don't, I don't know if it's for you. And I said, tell you what, let's do a table read one night. And so we went, we were sitting in, in downtown Minneapolis and we did a table read. And I said, you know what, let's go outside. He's like, what do you mean? So let's go outside. And there's a there's a scene in the movie where it's really powerful, but it's it's out it's outdoors. And I said, all right, here, read this. He's like, right here. I was like, yep. And I'll tell you what, Ali. I remember this, and I was recording this, and I took pictures of him as well, some close-ups. He had tears coming down his face, real tears coming down his face. And I remember going, whoa, 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 like. This is my guy. This is the guy who's who's this role. Like, and I was blown away. And I remember hanging up the phone and calling my brother and a few other guys. I go, ATM's the guy. Ahmed's the guy. He's 
he is going to play this wow. role and he's going to kill it. And it was awesome. And it all came together so well. And I was so, so blessed to team up with Khaled Abu Nega and, and Ahmed Mawaz and Melissa Pak, who's an exceptional person who Melissa Pak has also teamed up. She, she took the reins and, and went crazy and started writing the feature version for this script, which is now finished and we're working on getting it uh, uh, produced as well. So Melissa is a superstar. Um, you know, um, Austin Beery, the DP, Taylor Lewin, um, you know, for sound, um, Macklemore for being so gracious to, to jump on this project all and right. really help out. And, uh, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, all right. Ahmed Nawaz definitely really, really amazing. And it's so it's really uh, cool how you um, maybe at first were a little skeptical and then challenged him and then he really was able to prove that he was meant for the role. I mean, it just goes to show that you can't always cast like judgments or expectations, especially on actors, because actors can surprise you. That's a yeah. And now tell us about Macklemore. <laughs> How did Macklemore get involved? <laughs> yeah, let me just slide that one in there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I I actually um, there. He, I'm not going to go too much into detail, but he's got a song yes. that I he's got a song mm -hmm. that I really really loved and. It's, it was a motor, it was a motivator for me <laughs> in a lot of ways and um, you know he's he's somebody who's obviously been very open about being in recovery and and honestly I think he's probably been more open and probably done more for you know the recovery community um, than most celebrities are are, are able to take credit for because he's not embarrassed to say that he's dealt with it and he's dealing with it every day on a daily basis um, so I, I met him um, you know, randomly actually in Seattle and um i told him about the movie and what he didn't know is i wanted to use one of the songs at the end of it and uh i put it in the dang movie and i never i never even i i i, I, I we couldn't afford the rights to the songs yeah and <laughs> i couldn't afford licensing i mean we bootstrapped this thing we spent way more than budget and um you know i i was i didn't know what the heck i was doing with that but I ran into him and I was like, hey man, I've got this movie. And he's probably like, oh, great. <laughs> he was cool. He was really cool. He goes, send it to me. Let me watch it. And I sent it to him. And then a week goes by, no response. And I'm like, oh no. I'm, I'm just waiting for the, you know, the, the letter, you know, cease and desist from from from, from his lawyers to say, right? do not get this song. <laughs> but no, he came back. He goes, I love the movie. I love the characters. I love the story. I love what it rep represented. <laughs> Excuse me. And he goes, no, you know, he used the song and gave me feedback. And we talked a bunch about it. We became really close. And we actually talk on a, on a weekly basis now. And he's just been a really great mentor of mine. And, uh, you know, he's helped me. He's helped me deal with some of the things I need to deal with when it comes to recovery. Um, but he's just been a, you know, great advocate of telling these kind of stories. Uh, him through music and supports me doing it through film. Wow. Amazing. I mean, that's a great story, and it's uh, it's really um, it's really good for you know filmmakers, and for me, it just shows that like you can sometimes reach out to people that um, that might actually like the project you're working on if you show that <laughs> uh, that there's actual talent and there's actually actually made something that's great. Maybe they do want to collaborate with you, and I'm sure you know Macklemore had someone help him when he was younger, and I guess he's just passing it on. To, to you, lucky time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of amazing. So, I'll tell you what, I've been really lucky. I, I've also been really lucky and probably um, 
you know, I don't have shame in my game. I, I will hit up everybody I possibly can. Um, you know, I, I remember when I wrote Radical, uh, I saw Khalid Abunega in a show called Tyrant. And I remember going, oh my gosh, I want this guy. I was talking, sitting next to my wife and I said, hey, this guy's amazing. I want him for one of my characters. And she starts laughing and she goes, God, she goes, you're so silly. You'll never get him. And I was like, why not? She goes, that's Khalid Abunega. He's like the Brad Pitt of the Middle East. He's huge. Da -da 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 -da. He's not going to take on your little movie. I'm like, no way. I got it. So fast forward, like six years later, something crazy. And I, you know, he was in Minneapolis for a play and I was living in Minneapolis. I just got back from New York uh, with my writing partner, kind of wrapping things up and kind of getting ready to move on with, you know, the next steps of the radical. And I got into Minneapolis, back in Minneapolis and I found out he was in a play in Minneapolis at the Guthrie Theater. Wow. And someone I knew was interviewing him for the play. And I reached out to my friend and said, can you please connect me? Please connect me. He goes, not a chance. Everybody wants to meet him. <laughs> I was like, please, please, please. I want to tell him the story and da, 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 da. That night, I got a text message from Khaled Abunega. That night saying, hey, I heard about your story. Love to meet with you sometime. Why don't you come meet me right now and let's talk. It was like 10 o'clock at night. I drove as fast as I could to go meet him. And we talked for hours and hours and hours. And he loved the story. And he, he just, you know, agreed to come on and, uh, you know, play the play the role that uh, eventually, hopefully, once we get this thing made, that I really wanted him for. And who would have thought that this guy that I saw six, seven years ago, you know, prior, uh, that I really wanted, would agree to do this thing and become a mentor of mine. So I got no shame in my game. <laughs> no, I mean, it's not, it's, it's, well, I mean, you're convinced in what you're doing and, you know, uh, I just want to know, why do you think he accepted it? You know, it's, as you say, most people think it's unthinkable to even ask, but you asked and he wanted to do it, assuming Macklemore wanted to do it. So what do you think, um, for like, if, if I were to ask someone like Brad Pitt to be in my movie, what is, <laughs> um, I don't know. Why? How? Why would Brad Pitt accept it? Um, you know, listen. I, you know, I think I think mm -hmm. this sounds kind of cliche and silly, mm -hmm. but I I believe in this more than anything. Um, I believe that real recognizes real, um, and I think as long as what you're doing is real and genuine and and and, and true, especially if it's meaningful and it's it's you know something that needs to be told. Those you know these people are real people. They're human beings who really have the same feelings and uh, emotions and things. It doesn't matter where they live or who they are, or how successful. They're still people at the end of the day. And I think that's you know you know I maybe one day I'll walk up to Brad Pitt with a project, and maybe Brad will recognize if it's real or not. But I think he'll recognize if it's fake as crap too. I think if he looks yeah. at it and goes, "All right, beat it. You're just another filmmaker trying to make a bunch of money." And I think I think they can realize you know they can read into that. Um, and I think that's, I think th for me, I, you know, I can only speak on my own experiences is, um, you know, I'm not, a, I, when I write this stuff, I wasn't, I'm not writing any of this to, to hit a home run and become super rich and famous, even though mm -hmm. I have my own insecurities and I, I look at Instagram or I, and I go, gosh, why is not, there are not more people following beauty of warmth, you know, or why, well, you know, why haven't I won the huge awards yet? You know, I, of course. I tell these stories because I just really want to tell the stories. And I think that when you do mm -hmm. that, I think when you just do what you really love, things will come together. You know, there's, there's, there's a story for you to be told, meaning Ali's story is there. 
Ali has this whole life of um, you know of experiences, and his story will be told the way it needs to be told through podcast or through film or whatever the case may be. Yeah, amazing. I mean, we're kind of wrapping up on time here, but it's fun. It's funny how it ends with honesty is the best policy. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And uh, love who you are and be yourself. And it's funny how these cliches actually, you know, they they actually work and they're actually real. Um, before before we wrap up here, uh, Tamir, I want to um, know what's uh, what's next in store for you. So, beauty of warmth wrapped. What's um, the next? Your next point of focus. Yeah, we're um, so we're, we're we, you know we've wrapped up Beauty of Warmth. It's been in the festival circuit. Um, it won Best Actor award in the, the New York Film Festival, European Film Europe Film Festival. Um, made it, thank you. It's made it into some other film festivals, Indie Night, some other film festivals. We're waiting on a couple uh, really large film festivals to hear back from them. Uh, before we decide where we're going to release. So hopefully we're going to be releasing this thing, you know, within the next 60 to 90 days, Nice. Uh, which I can't wait. I just want to get it out there. I don't want to think about it anymore. I just want to get it out. And if people hate it, if they love it, whatever the case may be, but it's out of my hands. It's no mm -hmm. longer mine to worry about that. I can't wait for um, I've got radical. Uh, we're, we're, we're back in the process of getting, um, you know, support and getting it produced. Um, just kind of re-raising funds, getting some more investors on, on the project. Um, so hopefully we'll have that thing up and running again. Uh, I got a couple other scripts that I've just, I've got one short film, short script that I finished up that I'm really excited to, to shoot in LA uh, fairly soon. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm living in California now full time. Uh, it's beautiful. It's sunny. I don't live in LA. I live in San Diego. <laughs> uh, uh, I needed more beach vibes. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'll, more I'll, peaceful, I'll, peaceful vibes. Peaceful yeah, I'll vibes. drive up. I'll drive up a couple <laughs> hours for movies and, and some projects. But uh, besides that, I need to. I need to. I need to relax. Yes. I'm, gonna, I'm getting. I'm getting too old for that energy. Uh, but yeah, I mean that's it. I mean you can follow us on Beauty of Warmth on Instagram. I'll kind of give you some uh, some details on Beauty of Warmth, and I will be spinning that off to you know broader projects and and, and more things I will be working on in the future. Hey, best of luck to you, Tamir. Um, really, Thanks. I think, uh, especially from like an Arab American to an Arab American, is really um, there's not that many of us making movies on a big scale. And hopefully, you know, your success brings success to me, and, and my success brings success it. to more of us. Yeah. Absolutely. So, best of luck, Tamir. Ali, thank you yeah, so much for we're having signing me. out now. Take care, buddy. Have My a good pleasure. one. Thank you so much. My pleasure. That's how we Thank sign you. out. Thanks for watching Thank the show. Peace. Goodbye. Peace. Woo. Excellent. And that's a wrap.